there is a, a Mendy. Every family has a Mendy. Why? Because the Rebbe's name was Menachem Mendel. In every, in almost every Chabad family, there is a Levi. I have a Levi, my son Levi, I have a son-in-law Levi, and I'm surrounded The Rebbe's father was named Levi Itzchak. That was his name. But before the Rebbe's father, there was a very famous Hasidic master who lived 250 years ago. He actually passed away 210 years ago. His name was Levi Itzchak of Bardichev. Bardichev is a city in Ukraine, a big city. It was at that time, I don't know today, but it was a very large city, 70,000 people. 80% of them were Jewish. He was a group of, Levi Yitzchak Bardiche was a group of the first Hasidic masters who really spread Hasidism all over Eastern Europe. He was a very dear friend to Reb Shneor Zaman of Liadi, the first Chabad Rebbe who established the Chabad movement. He had other, other, this other friend was Reb Zushi of Anipoli. I'm named after my great grandfather who was really named after Reb Zushi of Anipoli. And his brother, Reb Melach, Reb Zushi's brother, Reb Melach, it was a whole group of disciples of the Magid of Mezic, who was the, the successor of the Baal Shem Tov. And they, the disciples of Magid of Mezic, they were like the first Chabad rabbis, the first Shluchim. They went all over Eastern Europe. Every two, everyone took a big part of Eastern Europe, and they became very famous Hasidic leaders and masters. Rablevi Yitzchok Bardichev was known for something very special. He was called the defender of Israel, the defense lawyer of the Jewish people. What does this mean? Every time when he saw a Jew, you know, usually we are very quick to judge. Oh, I can't believe he did such a thing. Rablevi Yitzchok was just the opposite. The story goes, he once saw a Jew who is smoking in Yom Kippur. He met him on the street, he tells him, my dear son, maybe you forgot that you're not allowed to, to smoke on Yom Kippur. He says, no, no, Rabbi, I know. Maybe you forgot that today is Yom Kippur. He says, no, Rabbi, I know, I know, I know it's Yom Kippur. He turned to God, he says, look, God, what kind of wonderful children you have. Even a guy who smokes on Yom Kippur is not ready to lie. He's saying the truth always. He always found the good, always every story turned it around upside down. He once saw a man appearing his horse while he's davening, while he's putting on film, and the talus is cleaning his horse. He's a wagon driver. People told him, shame on you, what are you doing now? That's how you pray. He, he came and he saw it and he said, look, God, what kind of wonderful children you have. Even when he's preparing his horse, he's praying to you. It's all a matter of perspective. He used to turn everything to the right direction. And Yom Kippur used to stand up. He was the cantor, the chazan in the synagogue. Before he started to pray, he used to speak to God. Tell God, God, tell me what do you want from your people, Israel? What do you want from their lives? Everything you tell them to do, it's about, you want something to be done on earth, it's the Jewish people. Everything is in Torah, who should do this? The Beryl Bnei Israel, speak to the children of Israel. Talk to the children of Israel. Order the children of Israel. Tell them, look, 
the Russians are busy with the Tsar. The English people are busy with the kingdom, with the king, with the queen. The Germans are busy with their kingdom. Who makes you, who recognizes you as the king of the universe, if not the Jewish people? Who says Shema Israel? Who says it Kadal with Kadash Rabbah? It's only your Jewish people. That was the kind of language he spoke. Not long ago was a big discovery in Bardichev. You see, during the Soviet Union, very few people were able to go to visit the gravesite of Rablevi Yitzchak of Bardichev. After the collapse of the Soviet Union, Jews started to go from all over the world to visit gravesite of Tzaddikim in Ukraine, and among them also of his gravesite. They found one flat layer of cement, and the locals told them, this is the gravesite of Levi Yitzchak, of the famous rabbi. And people start to pray there. Eventually, they build like a little house in top of it. It should be more comfortable to pray. And it became a place that many, many people, thousands of people from all over the world come down to pray. Now, a few months ago, when Corona came around, the Chabad rabbi who lives in Bardichev today and is in charge a part of it also on this gravesite, said this is a perfect, a golden opportunity to make renovations. Nobody is coming. It's empty. We can do, we can build. Then they decided they want to make eating underneath the floor because it's very cold in the winter there. Then they start to break the cement that they discovered that the cement is laying on something that's like a second layer. It's like a, a, a second floor. They start digging and digging and taking out all the dirt. They uncovered the original uh, tombstone of Rablevi Tsokobardichev that was put there 200 years ago, 210 years ago when he passed away. And it was known that his three sons were buried next to him. That the stone is, the stone is larger, the gravestone, and next to him the smaller stones of his three sons who were buried later in, next to him. And they found the, the old floor that was around, the whole thing. It was like archaeological discovery. And it changed everything. Now they know exactly where the grave is. They know everything. Something that was preserved, what happened? Before World War II, the Jews realized that between the Nazis and the communists, who both of them were very big and destroying Jewish cemeteries, will destroy the cemetery, especially when they know that's very important to the Jewish people. They, they took the house that was in top of the, of the original graves, they collapsed it, covered it with dirt, and put one flat layer of cement, and that's how they preserved it for 60, 70 years. And now they discovered the original. This rabbi, Ablevi Yitzhak of Bardichev, was once arriving, arrived to another city not far from him. In the morning, he needs to daven. Oi, he forgot his film. That's a strange thing that this Reblevi Yitzhak will forget his film. You know, he might forget his shoes, but his film for a Hasidic Rebbe on this level usually it doesn't happen. Fine, they, many people were very happy to lend them his film. Now he says, I have, I have a tradition that I pray only in my own film. I have to, I have to own them. There was no Judaic store, Judaic store in, this, in these places. Usually in these cities there is a sofer, a scribe, 
who writes film, who sourced film, this city did not have a sofa. And finally, they told them the only place to find Tfilnir is at the burial society, the Hevre Kadisha. The burial society is to bury, after the buried Jews, many times the family donated the film to the burial society. They used to have a box, they collect all that film, and once a year they used to make an auction, auction out that film, and the townspeople bought them, and with this money they were able to operate their organization. So they called the guy who is in charge of the burial society to bring the box with that film, brought it to the Reblevi Yitzchok, he opens the box, and he starts to look around which film he wants to, to choose. He looks at them, he looks at one pair of children and says, this is the film I want. And I'm ready to pay the full price. The guy told them, hey, hey, we have a tradition here, we have to auction out that film before we sell it. He made an announcement, some people came around, they heard that this famous rabbi is here and he wants to buy a specific pair of film. Ah, if this rabbi, famous rabbi wants to buy this film, I want him too. Obviously, there is something unique about them. These Jews are not stupid. Said, everybody wants, suddenly everybody wants to buy this film. An auction, the Rebbe says 10 rubles, the guy who does says 20 rubles, 30 rubles, it's going up and up. It reached 300 rubles. The guy who was in charge saw that this is going, he realized that this is going nowhere. He turned to the rabbi and he told him, listen, Rebbe, I know you cannot pay 300 rubles. We will sell you that film for the regular price. But with one condition, you have to tell us why you want this film. What's unique about this? Tell them, I'll tell you the story. And I'll tell you why I'm here. Says my two friends, Reb Zushe and Reb Melach, at that time they were already big Hasidic, famous Hasidic rabbis. But when they were younger, they used to travel travel around the small shtetlach in the cities in Eastern Europe, in Ukraine, and inspire people to become better people. Well, they invented a very unique way out to do it. And I come to somebody, tell them, oh, that you're not doing, you're doing the wrong things, shame on you. They turn people off, you're doing, you accomplish nothing. They used to come to a motel, let's say, and they saw how in the innkeeper, he's not so honest. He rips off people on business, on business, he promises them a nicer room and he gives them not so nice. He forgets to give them change. He overcharges them and so on and on. They wanted to make him, to wake him up, to bring him, make him aware of his behavior. They there this way, they sat down in the lobby, made sure it's close enough where the owner goes around and he can hear the conversation. Reb Melach was the Rebbe, Reb Zushe, the brother, was the Chassid, and the Chassid comes to his Rebbe and told him, Rebbe, you know, for many years I have a business and I'm not so honest with my, with my customers. I, charge, I overcharge them. I forget to give them change. I, I, I give them invoices that are not so honest. And he goes on and he repeats everything that this guy is actually doing. And Reb Melach, the Rebbe, tells him, Oy vey, this is, you know, if you overcharge people, you took money that doesn't belong to you. You have to go and look for these people and give them back the money. 
go and find them. It says, Rebbe, but it's for so many years, I don't even know where they are. I don't know the names, I don't know where they live. I don't know who they are. And he go on, then you have to, he tells him, you have to repent, you have to change your ways, and goes a whole conversation. Meanwhile, there's innkeeper, here's this conversation, and the more they talk about, the more they discuss it, he starts to have guilt feelings, and he regrets for his behavior. And then Reb Zusha leaves to his room, and this guy sees there is a quiet moment, he comes over to this Rebbe, and he tells him, Rebbe, you know, I was also, I'm not so honest in my business, I was also a little here, a little there, maybe you can help me too. That's how they used to bring people around. And he once arrived to this city, a believe it's continues the story. They came into the motel and they realized that this Jew was living here and he was the owner for many years. He's already 70 years old or something like this, older man. And he put on film since his bar mitzvah, but he never checked them. And that film are not kosher. They felt that film are not kosher. They looked like this. How are they going to do it? They did the same game. Abzusha turns to his brother, tells him, Rabbi, I put on film for so many years. Since my bar mitzvah, I, did, I never checked them. And I checked them the other day, and I discovered there was nothing inside. There was no parchments. You see, in that film, in every pair of film, there is parchments written with ink and parchment, written the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, all first two paragraphs. And there are another two paragraphs. It's written on the parchment, and you put them inside the black box. He said, my film were empty, nothing there. Then Remelech started to tell him, oh, this is so sad to hear about that. That means all your life you didn't put on film what's going to be. Now you have to pray even harder to God. And it goes on the whole conversation. The innkeeper was sitting on the couch, taking a nap, never had a conversation. He jumps out of bed. He thinks, I also never checked my film. He runs, he brings his film. He gives it to the two rabbis. He says, can you check for me that film? They opened the film, there were pieces of wood instead of the parchment. There was nothing there. He never put on the kosher film. Now in Judaism, there is a difference if you never put on film, or at least you put on film once. It's a spiritual difference, a very big spiritual difference. A Jew should at least put on film once in his life. Therefore, many times by Bar Mitzvah's kids put on film. Most of the Jews have opportunities. They come to the wall, to the Kotel in Jerusalem, they put on film at least once. Then he, and he tells him, then Reb Melach tells his brother, Reb Zushia, I want you to sit down, he was a scribe. He tells him, write them new parchments and put in them your intention, your Kabbalistic powers, your mystical powers. They should, this film should be so holy, they should be able to undo, to, to fix this, this so many years that they didn't put on film. This man lived a few more years, put on film with this film, and then he passed away. When he passed away, that film came to the Hevra Kaddish and was donated. And Reb Levi Yitzchok finished his story, and I came here to pick up this film. I wanted this film. See, he forgot his film at home. He didn't forget his film. He wanted this pair of film. See, in the month of Elul, 
there is a tradition that I've been mentioned it many times to check your film. If you have that film for a long time, you open it, you give it to a scribe, he checks it. There is a scribe right here in Cleveland. I'm Taylor Rod, the owner of the, of the store there. He's in the Jedaica store. He's a scribe himself, and you drop off that film by him. He will check it for you. But even if, you, if you're not so old and you don't have to check him, you feel you don't have to check him, that's a time to see the month of Elul is a time that we check our inventory. Getting ready, the month of Elul is the month before the holidays. And it starts today. Today is Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh means the end of the month. The first of the month of Elul starts tonight. This is the month before the holidays. We prepare to the holidays. Therefore, from tomorrow, to start to blow the shofar in the synagogue every day, every morning. Everybody is invited. If not, you can hear the, you can hear it on Zoom. We blow the shofar, we'll be broadcasted, broadcast on Zoom. Then we try to check our inventory before we come to God to ask for a good year to make an effort on our part to make sure that our mitzvahs are done the right way with more love. You see, film, the Medrash says something very interesting about that film. He says that film are like, whatever God tells the Jewish people, he himself is doing. God tells us to do a mitzvah, he himself is doing it. He tells us to put on film, he himself is putting on film. What does this mean, God is putting on film? Does he have a physical hand? Does he have a, what it means is, when we put on that film and we basically say, Shema Yisrael, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, that's what's written in that film, that God is the only God. At the same time, God says, who is like you, my people, one people on earth, Echad, also, that we are the only people. We choose them and he's choosing us at the same time, in turn. At once, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of has turned to God on Yom Kippur and he told them, God, master of the universe, when Jewish people, when a Jewish person is film fell and fall on the floor, he picks them up, he kisses them, he kisses them, he embraces them. God, you'd film the Jewish people fell on the floor. We are so low, we suffered 2,000 years in exile. Isn't it time you should pick us up, give us a kiss, embrace us? That's what it's all about. When we kiss that film, God is kissing us. Thank you very much for joining me today.